I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Daniel chapters 4 through 6. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a second dream. Verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, and how mighty his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house, and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts of my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and him is the Spirit of the Holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of the Holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shade under it, the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beast on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you." After Daniel's successful recitation and interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's first dream, back in Daniel chapter 2, old Neb has a second dream. These first 18 verses detail that dream in a narrative that comes from Neb's own hand. It's interesting to me that, despite the fact that his regular entourage of wise men were not able to interpret his first dream, Nebuchadnezzar gives them first shot at his second dream anyway. 
I mean, what's up with that? That after the failed attempt of the other would-be prognosticators, in verse 7, after they failed to give him the interpretation of his latest dream, he lays out the dream to Daniel, also known here as Belteshazzar, beginning in verse 10 and concluding in verse 18. By the way, Belteshazzar was the name that Nebuchadnezzar gave to Daniel, and it's not to be confused with Belshazzar, who appears in chapter 5 for the first time as king of Babylon. We find the primary stipulations of the dream concerning Nebuchadnezzar in verses 16 and 17. Those two verses say this, Let his heart be changed from that of a man, let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Now, what do you suppose that means? Well, read on, and Daniel will interpret it for us. He does so in verses 19 to 27. Let's read. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men, your dwelling place shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you, after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity." Well, we saw Daniel's interpretation began here in verse 19. So how do you tell the king who promoted you that because of his sin, he's going to go insane for a period of seven years? That's in verse 25. Well, Daniel's a straight shooter, got to tell the truth. Actually, Daniel gives him an out in verse 27 when he concludes his interpretation. He says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. So the insanity stipulated by the dream and its interpretation can be avoided, but did Neb take Daniel's counsel along with the interpretation? Well, apparently not, because as we'll see in the balance of this chapter, it happened just as the prophecy had specified. 
But now as we read chapter 4, beginning with verse 28, we see that Nebuchadnezzar goes insane. Verse 28, All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Well, it took a little while for the stipulations of the dream and interpretation to be fulfilled, but about a year later it happens. Old Neb goes insane, just like Daniel had said it would happen, becomes socially repulsive, and even starts eating grass like cattle. We see that in verses 25, 32, and 33. I mean, yuck! This goes on for seven years. The very rare mental disorder actually has a name, and it's called boanthropy. Incidentally, you'll notice that Neb's mental illness follows on the heels of an ego trip in verse 30. In verses 34 through 37, we see that Nebuchadnezzar is finally restored to sanity. Verse 34, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his kingdom is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Well, it's quite an ordeal, but when Nebuchadnezzar emerges from his insanity seven years later, he clearly has learned a lesson about the one true God. Compare verse 30 to verse 37 for a good before and after picture. Before, here's what he said. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Now listen to the same man seven years later in verse 37 of chapter 4. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Now, verse 37 almost makes you like the man. Well, that's the end of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. In chapter 5, we find hedonism at its finest, or perhaps we should say at its worst. Verse 1, Belshazzar, the king, made a feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. 
While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Here in chapter 5, there is a new king over Babylon. His name is Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson by his daughter. This new king throws a party for a thousand of his leaders. Belshazzar actually took the sacred vessels that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem while it was being destroyed, and he served wine in them. Literally, they were making fun of the God of Israel. How tacky can you get? We see in verse 4 that they were polytheists with no substance to their own religion. Making fun of God and living for pleasure, well, that's a dangerous combination. Friends don't let friends make fun of God. Then something strange, very strange happens. We read about that in Daniel chapter 5, verses 5 through 12, verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the Spirit of the Holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Well, in the midst of this party, this hedonistic party, a man's fingers mysteriously appear and begin writing on the wall. Wonder what it says and means, the king queries. The kingdom wise men are summoned, but nobody has a clue regarding this unusual event. The queen, probably the queen mom, Nebuchadnezzar's wife, she remembers Daniel. Perhaps Daniel was retired at the time. They summon Daniel, and silly old Belshazzar promises him one-third of the kingdom if he can just interpret the writing. Daniel says, don't need the reward, just let me at the writing. Then the interpretation. Oh, bad news in verses 13 to 31 of chapter 5. Verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me. 
that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, and the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written, Mini, Mini, Tikal, Upharsin. This is the interpretation of each word, Mini. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tikal, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Pires, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Well, you'll notice in verse 13 that Belshazzar doesn't seem to know Daniel. The old queen mom, though, she might have passed on summoning Daniel had she known the news would be so bad. Daniel begins his interpretation with a history lesson in verses 18 to 21 regarding the fate being the sudden insanity of Nebuchadnezzar, which we saw in chapter 4. Daniel had prophesied that seven-year ordeal in advance. Then Daniel transitions to the interpretation of this event. This wall writing said that Belshazzar was a loser of a king before God, that he didn't deserve to rule, so to speak. In other words, you're a loser and your reign is over. For some reason, I guess honor, Belshazzar rewards Daniel anyway. I mean, unreal. And that night, Belshazzar was killed and his kingdom overtaken by the Medo-Persians under the leadership of Darius the Mede. Wow, what started out as a great party night turned out very badly, wouldn't you agree? So Belshazzar gets just one chapter and boom, he's assassinated. This marks the end, by the way, of the Babylonian Empire. 
Belshazzar does get mentioned again in chapter 7, verse 1, and in chapter 8, verse 1, as a point of reference for two of Daniel's prophecies. Nevertheless, Belshazzar places Daniel back in power in Babylon as a result of interpreting the writing on the wall. Here's an interesting note. There's a common expression, writing on the wall. In other words, he should have seen the writing on the wall. It's used to express the anticipation of doom or misfortune, and it originates right here in Daniel chapter 5. In Daniel chapter 6, we see that professional jealousy leads to a plot against Daniel. Verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault, because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Well, under new empire management, the Medo-Persian Empire, Daniel's now over one-third of the whole kingdom, soon to be appointed over the whole thing by the new king, Darius. In verse 3, we see that. However, the rest of the upper management kingdom personnel, 122 of them, they're jealous of this Jewish man having so much authority over them. They conspire to have the king establish a decree declaring that he who worships anyone except the king for 30 days be thrown into the lion's den. For polytheistic society, this decree is no big deal. However, for Daniel, it's a career decision, and they know it. Think about the implications here regarding Daniel's public testimony. He was so faithful to God, his enemies knew that he would choose God over compromise, I mean, every time. Darius apparently has no idea he is, in effect, signing a death decree for Daniel. As we read chapter 6 of Daniel, verses 10 to 28, we see that the plan backfires. Verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. 
So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard to you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you." Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, we see here that Daniel, he didn't change a thing. Three times a day he prayed to God in front of his open window. Hey, Daniel, just, hey man, just close the window. Nothing doing. No compromise for Daniel. They reported him to the king. The king hated it and tried to find a loophole that would save Daniel in verse 14, but he was obligated to transport Daniel to the lion's den. The other 122 government leaders insisted on it based upon the law of verse 15. The king wished him well and went back to the palace for the night, a miserable, foodless, sleepless night back at the palace for the king. We see that in verse 18. Very early the next morning, the king's there checking on Daniel. Hey, Daniel, you in there? Daniel answers, giving glory to God, and Darius is overjoyed. Now, hold on for a minute here. Maybe the lions, well, maybe they're just not hungry. Let's check out that possibility. So Darius summons the leaders, 122 of them. Those are the leaders that plotted against Daniel. But he also takes their families and has all of them cast into the lion's den. Whoops. 
Turns out the lions were hungry after all. They pounced upon their new guest and consumed them before they could even reach the bottom of the den. Subsequently, King Darius issues a very nice decree regarding the one true God who delivered Daniel, and Daniel continues to prosper. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.